going to do a two-part sermon series called Biblical Parenting. And uh, we're going to start tonight with growing a healthy family. Uh, Healthy families are not an accident. Uh, Healthy families are the result of wise actions and wise decisions uh, on the part of the parents. Uh, Proverbs 24.3 says, let's read this verse together. It takes wisdom to have a good family. And it takes understanding to make it strong. Wisdom and understanding. And uh, parenting does not come instinctively. Uh, You know, just because you can have a baby doesn't mean you can raise a baby. And uh, you've got to uh, develop the skill and the wisdom to be able to to build a a healthy family. So today I want to give you four things that you can do to grow a healthy family. Not a perfect family. (laughs) There's no such thing as a perfect family. But any family can move toward health. So how do you have a healthy family? Well, number one, you have to prepare your kids uh, for life. Uh, One of the Bible's goals for parenting is to prepare your kids for life. God intends for the family unit to be a learning center uh, for life. Uh, Because you learn things uh, in the family that, that serve you well all the rest of your life. Baby has to learn how to eat, has to learn how to walk, how to talk, how to use the remote. There are lots of life skills that you've got to teach a kid in the family. So God says we're to prepare our kids for life. Uh, That's what the Bible says about Jesus. You know, when God sent his son, Jesus, he was born into a family. He had parents, Mary and Joseph. And I love this. In Luke 2.52, it says, Jesus grew. I mean, just think about those two words for just a moment. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with man. And the four ways that Jesus grew, that's the four ways that you as a parent need to help your kids to grow. It says he grew in wisdom. That's mental and intellectual growth. He grew in stature. That's physical growth. He grew in favor with God. That's spiritual growth. He grew in favor with man. That's social, relational growth. And so those ought to be the goals that you have for every person in your family. That there's balanced growth. Mental, physical, spiritual, relational growth. And the Bible's very clear that the responsibility for that growth rests right on the parents. It's the parent's response. The moment you participate in a conception, you get a job description. And it's the job description of being a parent. It's your responsibility. Deuteronomy 6, 7. And this passage in Deuteronomy, this this is the the keystone of of the Jewish family. In fact, this passage was written on tiny little scrolls and they would nail it up to the doorpost of their home so that when they went in and out out of the house, they would actually kissed that passage of scripture. That's how foundational this was to them. It says, you must teach these commandments. And the commandments in this, it's all of the commandments of the word of God, but in this particular context, it's the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's how foundational that commandment is. And you're to teach these commandments to your children and talk about them when you're at home or out for a walk at bedtime and the first thing in the morning. Notice it says you. You. Not the government, not a preschool, not the uh, grade school, not a private school, not some club, not some coach, not, some, not even the church. It says you. It's talking about the parent. 
You are responsible to prepare your kids for life, not somebody else. It says you must. It's not an option. It's not, you know, uh, I'm not really good at it, so I don't have to do it. No, you must teach. And parents, you're teaching all the time, whether it's intentional or unintentional. Your kids are watching every move you make. The question is not, are you teaching your kids? The question is, what are you teaching your kids? And God's word says you must teach these commandments. God says as parents, we have a responsibility to teach our kids to live a biblical lifestyle, to follow the commandments of God and do what God says to do. It's our responsibility as parents. Now, I want to give you three areas that that we especially have to be concerned with in preparing kids for life. The first one is relationships. Because for better or for worse, your happiness in life is determined by your relationships. You know, if you know how to relate to people, if you know how to get along with people, you're going to be happy a good percentage of your life. If you don't know how to relate to people, if you don't know how to get along with people, you're going to be miserable. In fact, you're going to make other people miserable most of your life. Relationship skills are absolutely crucial. It's one of the most important skills that that we teach our kids is how to relate to other people. Now, some of us, myself included, grew up in dysfunctional families. My area of recovery is I'm an adult child of family dysfunction. And in Celebrate Recovery, I learned how to deal with that dysfunction that I grew up with. And one of the things I've actually had to do is I had to learn how to parent myself. Because my parents didn't do a good job of teaching me these skills. And, and maybe that's the situation that you face. That you, know, you, didn't grow, you didn't learn how to deal with conflict. You didn't learn how to establish healthy boundaries. You didn't learn how, how, how to uh, uh, live in a way that, that creates good relationships. So that's a skill that you have to learn as a parent in order to break that cycle to be able to teach that to your kids. Because good relationships don't just happen. You don't, you don't just have a good marriage. You don't just have a good friendship. It's got to be built on truthfulness and, and trustworthiness, honesty, dependability, communication, authenticity, compassion. We have to teach our kids relationship skills. Second thing, we have to teach our kids character. And character is the sum total of your choices and your habits. Character is formed in the home. You know, as you help your kids develop good habits, they'll develop good character. But if you don't help them develop good habits, they're not going to have good character, no matter how much you wish for it, no matter how much you talk to them about it. No. Character, honestly, it's more caught than taught. You, as a parent, have to model character so that your kids know, know what it looks like, know how it plays out in their life. Third thing is values. As a parent, you've got to teach your kids what's really important in life. And whether you realize it or not, your kids are always picking up values from you. They they know what's important in life because they see what's important in your life. And they're watching to see. Regardless of what you say is important, they're looking to see. Well, how do you spend your time? How do you spend your money? How do you function in relationships? What do you really do that, that shows them what's important to you? And kids pick up values in the family, values about work, about money, about time, about sex, about other people, about the world, about the future, about God. Those values are constantly being communicated, and they're picked up uh, one way or another by your your kid. Some parents will say, well, I'm not going to impose my spiritual values on my kid. I'm going to let them decide for themselves what they believe. 
Well, if you've done, made that decision, you have decided to abdicate the responsibility and the influence that you have as a parent. You've abdicated your responsibility, and you've abdicated it to television. Because apart from parents, the number one purveyor of values in our culture today is television. By the time a kid is 18, he or she has seen over 100,000 sexual liaisons on television. 91% of the sex on TV is outside of marriage. That's brainwashing. In one course of, of, in, in, over the course of one year, primetime TV depicts over 1,400 incidences of sex, over 2,300 incidences of profanity, and over 8,000 incidences of severe violence. Television is loading our kids up with a false, I would say with an evil value system. And what's happened as a result? You want to know the result? Turn on the television and watch the news. And in that one half hour of news, you'll see the impact of the other 23 and a half hours of television and what it's doing to our kids and what it's doing to our families. You've abdicated the responsibility as a parent to television. And one day we're going to give an account to God for what we've done. And those of us who are parents will give an account of our parenting. Did we care enough to teach our kids... Yeah, this is right, this is wrong. This is, this is a value, this is not. This is what you do, this is what you don't do. Or do we just let society, let TV teach them that? You've got to be intentional. You've got to intentionally learn to live a biblical lifestyle yourself, and you've got to be intentional at teaching that lifestyle to your kids. Because it doesn't just happen. It takes effort, wisdom, understanding, skill. I want to encourage you just to stop for just a second here and just evaluate yourself. How am I doing on that? Is there areas where I need to improve? You know, assess how you're doing at teaching your kids life skills. Number two, you need to protect your kids in storms. And notice it says in storms, not from storms, because you can't protect your kids from the storms of life. But I can protect my kids in the storms. You can make the home a place of protection in the storms. Because life is full of storms. I mean, the storms of life just beat us and batter us and bruise us. I mean, life's hard. And we need a place of safety and security, a place of peace and protection. And God has planned for that place to be the home. To be the home. Proverbs 14, 26. Reverence for the Lord gives a man deep strength. Reverence for the Lord gives the home an anchor. His children have a place of refuge and security. That's what the home is supposed to be, a refuge, a place of security. Because there are a lot of storms that come into, into life, emotional and physical and relational. I want to mention two of them to you today. One is failure. Your kids are going to face failure because no, nobody, you don't always make the team. You don't always pass the test. Sometimes uh, you fail. You bomb out. And when that happens, it hurts. But failure is more bearable if you're coming home to hugs. If you know that when you get home, you're going to be soothed. You're going to be encouraged from that failure. Ecclesiastes 4 says, two are better than one. If one of them falls down, the other can help him up. But if someone is alone and falls, it's just too bad because there's no one to help him. And family is to be there in times of failure. I love the story. Uh, some friends of ours, their daughter in high school, 
was, tried out for the flag team, you know, where they're the ones that wave the flags all around. And she was real excited about this. And she had a flag, been practicing in the backyard for weeks and working on the routine and went to the tryouts and did her best. And when they announced who made it, she didn't make the cut. And so her mom picked her up and driving home, the daughter's just crying in the car and really disappointed that she didn't make the team. And they pull in the driveway and the daughter jumps out of the car, runs in the house, runs upstairs, slams the door and mom's standing downstairs with the dad and two younger brothers and they're just like, what do we do? She's just devastated about this. Dad says, well, I just think we ought to go up and be with her. And so they walk upstairs to the room and open the door and they don't see her and then they hear sobbing coming from her closet. And so they go over, and it's a walk-in closet, and they open the door, and so they all just crowd in and sit on the floor with her, and she's crying uncontrollably, and so the mom starts crying, and then because mom's crying, the little brothers start crying, and so now the dad's crying because everybody's crying. And the mom says to the 10-year-old brother, she says, you know, we really need some Kleenex. And so he goes and comes back, and he comes back with one Kleenex, and he's blowing his nose in it. And she said that the sister saw him doing that and burst out laughing, the whole family laughed, and they just moved through it. Well, that daughter is now grown and a parent herself, and she points back to that incident, and she says, that was a life-changing moment for me with my parents, because I realized that in my failure, they didn't call the coach and, and, and have an angry conversation. They didn't post a big rant on Facebook. They just got together with me and cried with me and laughed with me, and we got through it. That's what you need to do as a parent, place of safety, refuge, security. Next is rejection. You know, every kid faces rejection. And, and frankly, most of that happens to us on the playground. Just this week, I was driving through a part of the city, and there was a really cool playground there. And I was looking at it, and I thought, man, that is really cool. I wish I would have had that when I was a kid. And, and then I remembered back to the playground when I was a kid. And all of a sudden, here come some of those hurtful memories. You know, I mean, I still remember them. And kids can say the meanest things, and you can say mean things to another kid, and then you feel bad about that, and you just, I mean, it's just, it's hard. It's hard on that playground. And, and kids don't understand that just because they think something that they can't say it. And, you know, you don't need to tell everybody everything that pops into your head. And, uh, you know, kids will notice something about another kid and, and point it out to them like they don't know that their hair is curly or their ears are pointed and then the other kid hears it, and they think, well, that must be true. I must really look funny. And so they, they internalize that. And what's funny to me about that is, is that, you know, the little boy will say to the little girl on the playground, and your hair's curly, and make fun of her. And then when they get to high school, he's like, oh, man, she's got this beautiful curly hair. You know, <laughs> little girl, your ears are pointy. They look funny. And the high school, he's got the cutest little pointy ears. You know, I mean, it's just things change over time. But life can be brutal when you're a kid. And families need to be a refuge from that. And the real tragedy is, is that many homes, rather than being a place of refuge and safety, many homes are the center of the storm themselves. And rather than hearing encouraging words that build up, kids hear words that tear down. One-liners and insults and mocking, and that is not what God had planned for our families. Jesus warns us in Mark 3.25, he says, A home filled with strife and division, say the last phrase with me, destroys itself <laughs> destroys itself the place that's supposed to be the ultimate source of acceptance becomes the ultimate source of rejection and it's wounding so how do you make your home a shelter in a time of storm i want to give you four things they all start with age the first is here 
You just need to listen to the people in your family. You know, when somebody's telling you how they feel, you don't have to immediately jump in and try and solve the problem and cut them off. Give them the opportunity to be heard, to say what's in their heart. Hug them. Hugging, cuddling, patting, tickling, wrestling, just those kind of physical contact things that say, hey, you're part of us, I accept you, I love you. Hope. You've got to build up the people in your family with affirmation. You, you make sure you're giving positive input that counters all the negative input that's coming from everybody else. And then help. As a parent, you've got to make sure that your family gets the help that it needs for whatever situation it's facing. Unhealthy families ignore their problems. Unhealthy families are just in denial. We don't need to do anything about that. We'll get through this. Everything's fine. We're not talking about this. Healthy families, healthy families look to, them, uh, to their situation realistically. They say, what's going on and what help do we need in order to get through this? Several years ago, I was pastoring here at Rockbrook. And Katie and I, uh, we, we just got at odds on an issue in our marriage. And the issue really was pretty simple and, and actually kind of silly. But we got at odds enough on that issue that we stopped communicating to one another. And so while the issue was simple, the damage it was doing to our relationship was not. And we just stopped talking. And, and I'd be embarrassed to tell you how long we went without speaking to each other. And finally one day we bumped into each other at the bottom of the steps and Katie just said, she says, you need to get us some help because I am not living like this any longer. And so I called a counselor, made an appointment. We went and sat down with a paid professional that talked us through the process of, okay, this is what's going on and this is how you're going to get your way out of this. And honestly, I, I think it saved our marriage. And if it didn't save our marriage, it certainly improved it. And we just got the help that we needed. A few years ago, Ryland and I, just as a father and a son, we, just, we, we were just struggling in our relationship and things weren't just what they needed to be and we were kind of getting distant and, and I told him, I said, you know what, we're just going to go talk to my counselor. We went up and spent an afternoon with the counselor, talked through some stuff and today our relationship is better than it's ever been. Last year after, after my heart surgery, I, I was struggling physically, emotionally, mentally and spiritually. I mean, that thing just knocked the wind out of my sails and I was a mess. And I just made the decision, you know what, I've got to get some help. I, somebody's got to help me sort through this. And I went up two afternoons with my counselor and just talked through stuff, and I got the help that I needed to work my way through it. But you need to do that. That's one of the responsibilities you have as a parent. You don't have to go it alone. Get the help that you need for whatever the situation is that you're struggling. Because the help's available, and, and it'll, it'll change things for you. Don't, don't live miserable as a family one day longer than you need to. Get the help you need. I want to encourage you. Just evaluate yourself on that. You know, what's an area where you need some help? Are you listening to the family? Are you, are you giving the hugs that you need? Are you facing failure appropriately? What's going on for you? Number three, if you're going to have a healthy family, you need to play with your kids for fun. God intends for the family to be a haven of happiness. He wants it to be a place to party. It ought to be a place of fun. And as Christians, sometimes we get so serious about the first two that, that we, you know, we want the values right, we want the character right, we want to teach the right things, and we turn into Captain Von Trapp and the sound of music. You know, we're blowing that silly whistle and the kids are marching around and you know, everybody's following the rules, but nobody's happy. Nobody's having a good time. Least of all the guy with the whistle. 
And so if that's your parenting style, God would tell you today, you need to lighten up. You're coming on a little heavy. And yes, the family that prays together stays together, but the family that plays together stays together too. Uh, Look at this. Your children are a gift from God. Circle that word, gift. Gifts are meant to be enjoyed, not just endured. And too many parents just endure their kids rather than enjoy them. Deuteronomy 16 says, celebrate with your whole family. I mean, have a good time. Do some fun stuff. Ecclesiastes 11.8 says, people ought to enjoy every day of their lives, no matter how long they live. And if you wait until all the problems are solved before you enjoy life, you're never going to enjoy it. As a family, you've got to learn how to enjoy life in the midst of life, in the midst of the problems. Your kids aren't going to be in the home forever. But you'll be a parent forever. And so you've got to figure out how to to make this thing work for a lifetime. And you may be thinking, you know, someday these kids are going to be out of the house and life will be a whole lot different. I mean, the kitchen will stay clean. There won't be sticky dishes everywhere. The garbage disposal won't get choked up with rubber bands. We won't lose the lids to the jelly jars. You know, things will be different when the kids are gone. And they'll leave, and and our place will become a place of order and maybe even a touch of elegance, and maybe for once we can even have something nice. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, it'll be nice and elegant, and it'll be lonely, and it'll be quiet. And you'll think, maybe we could get some of those grandkids over here to liven this place up a little bit. Okay? You know, if, if your home isn't fun while your kids are growing up, don't be surprised if they don't come often when they're grown. I mean, why would they? And so you, you want to celebrate your kids. You want to have some fun with them. I've got a video I want you to watch. I suggest a new strategy, Millennium Falcon. It took them four and a half hours, actually, to put that together. They videotaped the whole thing and then sped it up. And, and I just saw the video last night and said, hey, I want to show that in the, in the sermons this weekend. And so I showed it in the 5 o'clock. And then in the 6.30, the service with the, the, those are my grandkids, the service they were in, I forgot to show it. I didn't have it in my notes. Yeah, what a boneheaded grandpa I am. And so, in fact, I'm driving home and I'm thinking, did I show that video in that second service or not? So I text him and my son and said, hey, I think I, did I show that video in the service? And he texts back, he says, no, you didn't. And so the, I got here this morning and my grandkids had pasted a picture of them uh, with the video in my sermon notes. And they're like. So you want to evaluate, are you having fun uh, together as a family? Number four, you want to point your kids to Christ. Point your kids to Christ. Ephesians 6, 4 says, Fathers, bring up your children in the training and instruction of the Lord. Uh, God has given the responsibility of spiritual training to the parents. It's not optional. It's a command. It's something that's expected. The most important lesson that we teach our kids is about knowing and loving Christ. 
And parents, I, I know you don't have all the answers, and, and you don't have all the answers to the questions that your kids are going to ask. And I don't mean questions like, why don't we have hair on our tongues? I mean, you can make up an answer to that that'll get you through, okay? And, uh, you know, the answer to that, obviously, is because they don't make uh, tongue combs. But, but, you know, they start asking questions like, why did God make me this way? Or if God is, is so great, why did grandma have to die? Or if God's so loving, why is my best friend sick? And I quickly found out as a parent that my reservoir of answers was, was pretty shallow. But I could point them to the one who had the answers. I could point them to Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ, the Prince of Peace, offers a peace that passes understanding. You may not know the answers, but you can point them to the source of the answers. You can point them to the source of peace. You can do that in a formalized way. I mean, you can just sit down and just teach your kids some things about Christ, and, and, and that's a great thing to do. But an even more effective way is to model for them the truths that you want them to understand. You just live our lives in such a way as parents that our kids want, want to emulate us. They want to be like us rather than run from us. And sometimes parents think, that, you know, I, I need to hide all my problems from my kids. You know, we think we're going to protect the kids if they don't know the struggles that we're facing. And I'm not saying that you need to dump your struggles on the kids and make them bear them. I don't think that's the kid's job, to bear the problems. But I think it's okay if as parents we let our kids know, you know, I mean, we got some financial difficulty going on right now and this is a hard season for us and so we're really trusting God. God is faithful. He's the one who's going to provide. We're looking to Him. Or just when you're going through a season of grief or pain or struggles, just tell your kids, yeah, this hurts. This is hard. But God is faithful and He's the one we're looking to. And we show our kids how to live out a relationship with God. That's been, where we get the strength and help that we need from Him. Because if they don't see it in your lives, they don't know that they can have it in their lives. And if they don't see us looking to God, they don't know to look to Him either. You know, why should they rely on Him if we're not? And so one of our main jobs as parents is to model that dependence on God. My wife uh, has very fond memories. One of the sweetest times in her life uh, was when she was in high school and her dad had a, a season of unemployment. He'd had a good job, but he wasn't very satisfied in it. And he made it to say, you know, I want to make a career change. And so he quit his job, and he didn't have another one. And so there was a long season of unemployment and uncertainty. And, and she just has very fond memories of watching her dad just sitting at his desk and, and just praying and, and the family praying together and looking to God to provide for them and to provide a new job. And, and her dad is just studying the book of Job because he's looking for a job. And, I mean, it's just, you know, <laughs> there's just you know, a real spiritual struggle going on. And when they found a great job and just the celebration that there was in the family and God got all the credit, it was just a cool memory for her. And you need to build those for your kids. Point them to Christ. Proverbs 9.10 says, Knowing God results in every other kind of understanding. Philippians 3a, Everything else is worthless compared with the priceless gain of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Knowing Christ, it's foundational in life. Knowing Christ is what every other learning, every other aspect of your life is built on. And it's not just enough to talk to them about God. You need to point them to Jesus Christ, the one who loves them, the one who saved them, the one who died for them. Point them to Christ. Make sure they know him. We just need to take that responsibility very, very seriously. 
For some of you, you came to faith in Christ after your kids were grown and out of the house. And so that opportunity, uh, you may think that opportunity is not there for me. But listen, it's never too late to point your kids to Christ. You can go to an adult kid and tell him, look, when I, when, you know, I was raising you, there were things I didn't know. I hadn't made a decision for Jesus Christ. And I know some stuff now that I didn't know then, and I'm going to tell you what it is. I'm going to point you to Christ. Evaluate yourself on that. How are you doing on pointing your kids to Christ at any age? Healthy families are not an accident. They're intentionally built on wise parents who do wise things. And it starts with a commitment. Several thousand years ago, a man named Joshua stood in front of the entire nation of Israel. He said, choose this day who you will serve. As for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. Parents, have you made that commitment? Have you made that decision? If you want a healthy family, that's where it starts. And then just dedicate yourself to becoming a wise parent. Get into God's Word, read your Bible, get into a small group. Doesn't have to be a small group that's studying parenting. Just get in there and rub some shoulders with some other people who are trying to raise their kids according to God's ways and God's values. Develop the skills to become a wise parent that builds a healthy family. I know this is a lot, it's a big chunk, and, and you may be feeling, boy, I just really feel inadequate. But I'd encourage you just to, to evaluate yourself in these areas. Just, just ask, what kind of learning is taking place in our home that, that's preparing our kids for life? What are we teaching our kids about relationships and character and values? What kind of shelter, refuge is your home? Does it offer protection? Or are you offering hugs and hope and, and help and, and a listening ear? Is your family fun? Are, are you too busy making a living to make a life with your kids? And then are you praying for the salvation of, of every family member every day? Are you pointing your kids to Christ? Are you praying for the people that they will marry? May not even know them. I, 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 I prayed all, all, all my kids' life. I prayed for their spouse before we even knew who they were. I'm praying for my grandkids, that, they'll, that right now somebody's raising a godly girl, godly man for those kids. Because I want them to be able to find someone who will help them build a healthy family. Because I want healthy families to be generational, to be forever. And then just take a look. Say, you know what, God, I, I, I just need to do one thing. And in these four areas, just pick one thing and say, God, show me how to make a difference in this area. And begin to move with wisdom and understanding to make some changes. And as those changes kick in and begin to work, then find another area and make some more changes. And then find another one and make some more changes. And you will be amazed over time what it does for your family. I want to close with a prayer for parents, and, and I just invite you to follow along with me. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I realize that my kids are a gift from you. And I need your help as a parent. Help me to prepare my kids for life, to teach them about relationships, character, and values. Father, I need your help protecting my kids in the, in the storms of life. Help me to, to make time for fun with the family, that, that we might celebrate that there would be joy and happiness in the home. And most of all, Father, help me to point my kids to Christ. I pray that they would come to know Jesus personally, that they would recognize him as their Savior, their Lord. 
I, I pray today for the person that, that they'll eventually marry. That right now, that, that you're preparing them for that healthy family that they will create. God, I just pray for the families in our church. I pray for the parents that are here today. I thank you for the mothers. Thank you for the fathers. And just, I'm so appreciative of the wisdom, the understanding that we can find in your word. You haven't left us to figure this out on our own. All we got to do is just look into your word and do what you say. So we thank you for the hope we can find there. In Jesus' name, amen.